Welcome to Canada's most irreverent talk show. This is The Andrew Lawton Show, brought to you by True North. Hello and welcome to you all. This is Monday, July 18th, 2022. It is great to have you aboard Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. That is The Andrew Lawton Show. And I want to say, first off, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I had some delightful news come over the weekend when I was informed that my book, The Thing You See Back There, Not So Subtly Placed, uh, The Freedom Convoy, The Inside Story of Three Weeks That Shook the World, made the glo- not only made the Globe and Mail bestseller list, but actually topped the Globe and Mail bestseller list. So this book, which just came out a couple of weeks ago, is number one, the number one non-fiction book sold in Canada last week. Now, this came out on the weekend, that uh, bestseller rank. And a few days earlier, it was also the top of the Toronto Stars bestseller list. And, and I'm, I'm giddy, not be, I mean, I'm excited about it and I'm excited people are buying the book and like the book, but I am more excited to know that some Toronto Star books editor had to sit there and was like seething and spitting and raging and just like trying to be like, no, 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 let's just say it was that, uh, the, uh, just, just anything else. Let's just say it was that, that Lou guy's book and let's just say it was something else and the latest young adults romance. Let's just do it anything. No, 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 not Andrew Lawton's Freedom Convoy book. We can't say that's number one. And then they look at the numbers and are like, ugh. I guess we have to. So I imagine that it was kind of like a reverse Ouija board thing where it's like the keyboard was, you know, trying to make them do something that they didn't want to do. And eventually we we had the list there. So my thanks to the Toronto Star and to the Globe and Mail for recognizing that. And I don't know how many weeks we're going to be there. I mean, I, I this is like the thing for me that I'm excited about this week because I made it one. So I don't care. I mean, I want to be at number one for, you know, a bajillion weeks and do like the whole Jordan Peterson thing and just stay there. Because his book came out like, I don't know, four years ago, and he's still on the top 10. But this is my first time ever there, so I'm going to soak it all up. And I, it's like there's a schadenfreude there. The, the Toronto Star had to put that there. So anyway, if you want to make sure it stays there, if you want to trigger the Toronto Star book editor, do head on over to Amazon or Indigo and pick up a copy of the Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world. And I'm actually thinking of it. Let me know in the comments if you'd be interested in uh, seeing this. I was thinking of doing like an all Q&A edition about the convoy and about the book and about covering the convoy and doing that in the next couple of weeks and taking any questions that you have about the convoy, any questions you have about what it was like covering it, about the book or anything else. If that is something you would like to see, let me know in the comments and we will do that in the next week or so. And if you don't want to do it, just tell me that and we won't do it. So that's how it works. One thing I want to talk about though is Arrive Can. You may have noticed in the last couple of weeks, I was bouncing around a little bit and doing the show from various different places. And I was wearing another hat, not my true North role, but I was wearing another hat and I was over in the United Kingdom for a couple of weeks. And I just got back on Saturday, which means I had to do the whole airport chaos thing. I had to do the arrive can thing. And I want to just pull up here because I, I I don't usually work with props, but I'm going to work with a prop on today's show. This, uh, can I show you this or does it have my date of birth? I don't think it has, or like personal information. So yeah, so th- this is a Rive Can right here. So this, this Arrive Can thing is just a little phone app. It's just a little information. You just took a few taps. You, you know, let the government know when you're showing up. That's all. It's no big deal, right? 
wrong. ArriveCan has proven to be one of the most disruptive and just plain wrong things that the government has done to disrupt travel and to disrupt Canadians' mobility rights. So the whole point of this at the beginning was that the government heaped all of these COVID restrictions onto people, not the least of which was the need to have a pre-departure test before you show up at Canada, and the then the proof of vaccination requirement. And the government was trying to make it so that what we can do is just have this little app and we can upload our vaccine certificate into the app and then when you get to the border, they don't need to see it because you've already put it in. So they were trying to find a way to make it so that the COVID restrictions could be managed. Now, my view on this would be, all right, well, maybe if you can't manage your COVID restrictions, just get rid of the restrictions. But the government said, no, 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 we've got to design this app. Well, all of these restrictions, for the most part, are gone if you're vaccinated. Now, if you're unvaccinated, different stories we've talked about on the show. You don't need to have the pre-departure test, but all of a sudden, government is still committed to the app. And I mentioned a few weeks back that one of the things Omar Al-Gabra was doing was what we can best characterize as mission creep, where the purpose of ArriveCan is no longer about COVID screenings, but is actually about your standard Canada Border Services Agency entry and screening requirements where they're doing this little pilot project where you can do the declarations of, you know, do you have fruits or vegetables or have you been to a farm or are you importing some rare ocelot from, you know, the Maldives or what? I don't know if they have ocelots in the Maldives, but if you do, you have to declare it. You have to declare your Maldives ocelot. You don't want to don't ask me what happens when uh, when that goes wrong. Been there, done that. But the whole point of this for the government is that they're trying to make ArriveCan a permanent feature of the Canadian government, a permanent feature of Canada. And people will say, what's the big deal? It's just an app. Well, there are two big deals. Number one, anyone is supposed to have free entry into their own country. So the idea of having an app, even if it's seemingly innocuous, an app that you must go through the process of and go through the motions of before you get into your own country is fundamentally wrong. But also it's already having a tangible effect and not a positive one. Two stories I wanted to talk about today that have both come out on the weekend. One, young scouts stuck in Zurich over the weekend arrive at Toronto Pearson Airport. So finally, after being stranded in Zurich, Switzerland, there were a group of scouts that were returning. They had been, I, when I was in scouts, by the way, we went to like a campground that was 30 minutes from where I live. So I don't know why scouts are now going on trips to Switzerland, but nevertheless, that's neither here nor there. This was like a really bougie scouting unit that went over to Switzerland on a trip. They went from Bancroft to Switzerland. Have a good time, folks. Uh, maybe they, they should they were they should have come in January. We we could have done the World Economic Forum together. I could have led a tour with scouts, and they can get like the Klaus Schwab badge, which uh, I believe is the badge that lets you get into all of the other rooms and secret chambers and all of that. But uh, anyway. The thing that happened here was these scouts were having issues doing the ArriveCan app. And what happened was they were over there, they were trying to do it, and they couldn't get on Wi-Fi. And interestingly enough, I know exactly what they're talking about, because when I covered the Davos Forum in May and I was trying to come back, there was an issue at the airport that I encountered where you had to supply a phone number to get on Wi-Fi. And I recall there being some issue with it not registering my Canadian number, which is really stupid at an international airport. But so when I read the story, I knew exactly what they were talking about because they say here that they couldn't get on Wi-Fi to do ArriveCan because they didn't have a local phone number. 
And then to make matters worse, Air Canada would not let them board their flight without seeing proof of ArriveCan. Now that's not part of the government rules. The government rules are that you have to show ArriveCan in Canada. Why on earth do you need to do it to board your flight? Why is Air Canada now doing, and presumably other airlines as well, the dirty work of the government here? And if you've looked into it a bit, as I have, you'll notice the government has actually been pushing this. They've been trying to make it so that they don't have to deal with the problems on their end. They want the airlines to be the bad guys. So what happened for these scouts is that due to challenges with the ArriveCan app, several of them were delayed and missed their flight, and it's only been days later that the six of them that were held, six until including two leaders, were finally able to make it back to Canada, all because of a stupid app that has no connection whatsoever to public health. And it doesn't even pretend to have a public health connection at this point. So we're stranding scouts in Switzerland because of this stupid app. Well, what about people that don't have a cell phone? You may have seen this video go viral over the weekend. On his own, I travel on my own. I have the ArriveCan app and he does not. Okay. He has his proof of documentation right. showing that he's been vaccinated. Okay. That's all that's required. No, he has to ArriveCan, so we can put him onto your account nope. that you've done. How come you don't want to do it? Why should I have to? Because it's a requirement to get into Canada. What if he was flying by himself? I, I will be flying by myself, and I don't have a cell phone. Yeah, that's so what does he do? Put it on hers. No. Yeah, but if I'm flying by myself, how can I do that? Are you guys related? Yeah. 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 So what's the problem with putting it on your account? I don't think I should have to. Why not? What's, what's Nancy, the issue? Nancy, never mind. This is a bureaucracy gone amok. I know. But you know, this, that's why you have to do it, right? This is one of the requirements. It's part of the quarantine act, right, to get back in. Well, let's see. You've got you've got my you've got my uh, uh, COVID shots. I've had four of them. Okay, you have you have my passport. Okay. Why not? Let's just do the paperwork and get this over with. Because they want the app. The government wants the app. Let me ask you. What, what's what's the reason why you don't want to do it? I don't think I should have to. No, but there's got to be a reason to it. No. I don't think I should have to. But there has to be. A it's. I'm reason. traveling. This is this is my phone. It's my app. Okay. I'm just having myself on it. It's very circular that conversation but here's a guy 86 years old he's in a wheelchair now i don't know if it's permanent or if it's just to get around the airport because if you're not i mean anyone actually i almost need a wheelchair now because no one likes waiting in lines the you know seven and a half days long at pearson airport so he's in a wheelchair four times boosted the i believe it's a cbsa officer is holding his passport holding the ticket holding the proof of vaccination so there is zero question that this guy has been boosted and boosted again. He's got the proper documentation. He's done everything right except own a cell phone, which in Justin Trudeau's Canada is a crime that can get you a $5,000 fine. And his daughter, the guy was saying, well, you know, you could just put him on your app. And the daughter said, no, I don't want to. So, okay, she's deciding for herself. But when he travels alone, what's the excuse going to be then? He can't just go on some random stranger's phone. And it's interesting that, you know, it used to be the whole thing was if you didn't pack your own bag, uh, you can't come on the airplane. And now it's like, yeah, just load up onto everybody else's app, your personal information. Otherwise, you're getting slapped with a $5,000 fine. So we all have to be friends now. Just find some random passerby that will agree to put their data in your phone. And that's your way into the country. 
and any and the government has said, oh, well, you don't need a cell phone. You can do it on a computer. And yeah, if you're taking some holiday through the foothills of Bangladesh, you can find your printer and you've got to find the printer. You ask the local Sherpa and I guess the local Sherpa will just set up a, a, a an HP printer for you on the back of the donkey or whatever they take you around on. And then you can print off your Arrive can. So yeah, we all have workarounds. We all have options. But what the government is doing right now is purely punitive and purely rooted in the idea of control. And what, pray tell, is the public health benefit of stranding scouts in Switzerland? What's the public health benefit of fining a four times vaccinated octogenarian? All because we don't believe, we don't believe that the government... The, the government doesn't believe, rather, that we can let the peasants travel without knowing exactly where they're going, why they're going, how they're going, what time they're arriving. If you've ever flown to the United States, one of the big frustrations is that you have to go through customs typically before you get on the plane. So if you're at Pearson Airport, one of the big delays is that, and this is, by the way, a delight, where you have to go through customs in Toronto. So by the time you've gone through that, you're in the United States, even though you're in Mississauga, according to immigration law. And it's great because what happens is sometimes the delays are like three or four hours long and someone will miss their flight, but their bags have made it on. So then they need to hold up the flight while they take the person's bags off. And by the time the bags are off, the person has actually made it to the gate, but they don't let them board anyway. I have been there myself on the plane and off the plane. And what's happening here is the government has now tried to do this with ArriveCan. So they want to know everything before you get there. So they need to know if they're going to haul you into a secondary screening for questioning and all of that. And if you don't do it, you get punished for not giving the government a heads up. And you may think, okay, perhaps it streamlines the government's efforts. But we're not talking about making life easy for government here as being our top priorities as Canadians. Our passports, our Canadian citizenship entitles us free entry into Canada. And the government's rationale, the government's rationale is, well, no one's stopping you from entering Canada. Anyone can show up. I mean, even that 86-year-old man, he was not denied entry into Canada. They let him in, but they probably fined him or at least threatened him with fines when he got there. But they're saying, oh, well, we didn't impede you. We, we didn't stop you. Wow. Talk about exploiting technicalities to the nth degree. So Arrive Can needs to go now. And when people talk about so-called minor inconveniences, you need to tell them to just shut up. Because I, I'm so sick and tired after two and a half years of COVID of being told that we have to put up with all of these little minor things because, oh, well, it's just a little, it's just a little mask. It's just a little mask. It's just a little lineup. It's just a little app. It's just this. It's just that. And at a certain point, all of these things are contributing to a society in which nothing works. The airports are just one example of a society that is completely broken from top to bottom. I came back on Saturday from Heathrow to Toronto. Now, I didn't check a bag. I actually wanted to. I was at the Bushmills Distillery, and I wanted to pick up a bottle of Irish whiskey for someone, and I didn't want to for the sole purpose. The sole reason I didn't is because I didn't want to check a bag and be waiting for it for, uh, because you can't take the liquids on, of course, and be waiting for it for like five more days. So I didn't check a bag. I took a carry-on, which means I should be able to just get off the plane and go. We get to Pearson Airport, my wife and I, 
on Saturday, and they give that announcement that, okay, we are going to be metering, which is what they call it when the customs hall is unable to accommodate the flow of people getting off planes. Even while they have canceled flights, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. So what they say is we'll take off people with connections first. We had a connection. We were literally the first ones off the plane because they, they brought us to the front because we had a connecting flight that was pretty soon. We ended up missing it, by the way. But not before they made the plane wait on the tarmac for, I think it was about 45 minutes, while they did more metering, I suppose. So they do this. They make us wait 45 minutes. Then they tell us that we have to stagger getting off the plane. So some people were on there probably for another two hours or so. And then we get off first. So we've already been made to wait because apparently it's so busy in the customs hall that they can't just let the plane unload. We've got Nexus card. So we go and kind of bolt through and it's all the same customs hall, but there's a little Nexus line on the left. So we're, we're trying to just get to the Nexus line. We walk into the customs hall at Pearson Airport, Terminal 1, literally not one person in there. <laughs> Not a single person in any line of any of the however many wickets that were open. Now, maybe I caught it at just the perfect time and there were a thousand people that just went through five minutes earlier, but they're making you wait at this point for no reason. Just because they, I, I think, are, are so used to this is how it is. And again, I'm not saying that people are not finding significant delays at the airport, because obviously they've put in this thing for a reason. But it was the most infuriating process to being told, to be told that, okay, we've got to do all of this stuff, and then you get there, and it's like all of it was for nothing. You could have just let me off, and things would have been fine. And then you find people that are getting stranded at foreign airports because they can't get on Wi-Fi there because of other things that don't work to put in their information to get the arrive can thing. Uh, the 86-year-old grandpapa, he managed to get on the plane. He managed to bypass the flight attendants, but he gets down there and he's threatened with a $5,000 fine because he doesn't have a cell phone. So these things are not minor. They are not insignificant. They're very significant. And it is government with its foot on the back of your necks making it so things don't work. It's government that is putting barriers in place. It's government that's putting roadblocks in place. And it's the government that is exacerbating existing problems and making them worse. And they're still lying to us and telling us that this has to do with COVID when it is entirely about control. So when people look around and see that others are still protesting and they say, well, why are they still protesting? What's wrong? What's the problem? This, just look around. The world of 2019, the world we left behind that we used to call the old normal, is becoming a distant memory if it isn't already. And yes, it's vaccine mandates, but it's this whole host of challenges. It's bigger than Arrive Can. I mean, after the Freedom Convoy packed up and some of the organizers were arrested and all of that, James Topp, the Canadian Armed Forces veteran, started his march across Canada. He set out from the West, started going to Ottawa with a plan ambitiously of arriving by Canada Day. And he ended up being there a little bit early, was able to do some meetings and then come back and do his formal re-entry. And the media basically ignored him. We had him on the show. I know other independent media covered him, but the legacy media effectively ignored him. And when they did start paying attention, they did all the usual stuff where they throw, oh, well, he was on this podcast with this guy who in 1992 said something rude, so we're going to slander him. Him and oh, why did this member of parliament, why was he seen in a room with James Topp? And it became this guilt by association. 
And people just started saying, well, what's the problem? Why is he even protesting? All the mandates are gone. Life is back to normal. Normal is a long way away. We had James Top on joining us from the road. I think he was somewhere through Saskatchewan when we spoke to him last. But now that he's on the other side of his Ottawa arrival, wanted to welcome him back to the show, James Top. It is good to talk to you, sir. Thanks so much for coming on. And uh, because this is the, the first time we've spoken since Canada Day, congratulations on achieving your mission. Quite an accomplishment. Can you hear us? All right, James. Where, whereabouts are you now, sir? Interesting. Yeah, I'm hearing uh, James very intermittently. We will try to get him back on the show. I, I'm actually curious because, again, a lot of people uh, as well, the, the media have moved on from this story. The media have moved on from this story. And, and as you can see there very briefly, if you were watching the video version, he is still walking. He's still going on. He's still moving on this thing. So the mission continues. And I think there's something very important that Canadians need to realize here, which is that when someone has to tell you that life is back to normal and admonish you for saying otherwise, for thinking otherwise, Clearly, things aren't back to normal. I mean, that, that's the re it's like I said with the Emergencies Act. When the government has to tell you it is respecting your civil liberties, clearly it isn't. Clearly, your civil liberties are not intact. Otherwise, they wouldn't need to go through painstaking efforts to remind you that they are upholding your fundamental liberties. And I, I think the same is true of normalcy. The same is true of normalcy. When the state is telling you, the media is telling you, oh, everything's fine, everything's normal, we're all good to go. Well, clearly that isn't the case. I, I think we have James Top back on the line here. So we're going to put him up and hopefully we'll have sorted out the audio. If nothing else, maybe he can uh, you know, learn sign language abruptly and we can get one of those CPAC translators on. Uh, James, uh, let's try it now. Whereabouts are you, sir? Hello. Hi, I can hear you. Very, you were a bit choppy there. Whereabouts are you? All right. Uh, unfortunately, we are uh, not having uh, luck with James Top here, so I think we'll have to uh, try to book him on when he's a bit more stationary and do this another time, which is uh, quite unfortunate. And if you can hear me, uh, James, I'm sorry. The uh, technology is not cooperating with us right now. But I think it's very important to point out that what he has done has been inspiring to so many people. And it didn't have the zeal and it didn't have the large scale that the convoy did. But there was something quite magnificent in its simplicity. One man starting out a large mission, a large journey to Ottawa, a very long journey. Certainly, if you look at me, you will not be surprised to know that I have never walked that far in my life. I don't even think cumulatively at this point. But when he does this... You saw the crowd behind him. It was fascinating to see with the footage and the videos, the crowd behind him get larger and larger, especially the closer he got to Ottawa. And at a certain point, all the politicians jump in and Roman Babber walked with him for a bit and Pierre Polyev walked with him and Leslin Lewis met with him in Ottawa and they had all of this thing. And, and then the media tried to do this like, like old-style documentary, like identifying all of the conservative MPs in a photo with James Topp. And then we started to see all of this uh, criticism of them. But I was looking at this and saying, absolutely, when a Canadian veteran when it, I mean, when any Canadian, but certainly a Canadian veteran, someone who has served this country, is going to go to Ottawa with a message, I think at the very least, leadership should listen. At the very least, leadership should listen. 
And he got to Ottawa. I mean, mission accomplished. A lot of people would have expected him just to hang it up and go home. But he's going to Newfoundland now. So he's not even satisfied just making it to the nation's capital. He's he's walking all the way east. Now, uh, part of that doesn't surprise me because you, you... I mean, the one place you could get me to run would be out of Ottawa. Like, if I'm in Ottawa, generally speaking, I want to get out as quickly as possible and I'll, I'll take whatever means of travel is easiest. So walking out of Ottawa makes more sense than walking to Ottawa in general. But uh, James Top continues, and he is on his way to the East Coast now. And when he gets there, he'll have traversed the whole country. And still, Justin Trudeau has not gotten off that message that he has been giving since long before the convoy got to Ottawa, that the unvaccinated and anyone who stands up for the rights of the unvaccinated are just unworthy of being represented and just don't belong in civil society and don't belong in the political process and don't deserve to be listened to. And I look at what's happening in this country right now. The division of vaccinated, unvaccinated has continued, even when a lot of the mandates are gone. I mean, remember back in January and early, early February, you could not, as an unvaccinated person, go to a restaurant in most of the country, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, in Quebec, in Ontario. In Quebec, you were facing a fine And what ended up happening was people revolted. They stood up. And it was not an angry message. It was a very positive message. And that was the convoy, the event immortalized in that book over my right shoulder here, the Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world. And all of this has come about in a country that I would say in 2019, most people would have not hesitated to say is a free country. We'd say, well, you know, I have issues with this and issues with that. And maybe I don't like the carbon tax. And, you know, this policy I'm a little bit uneasy with. But but I don't think most people would say this was an unfree country before 2020 and certainly before 2021. And the things that the government has done, not just against the unvaccinated, but it's against everyone. I mean, the whole point of human rights, the whole point of civil liberties is that if you attack one person's civil liberties, you have attacked everyone's civil liberties. If you've attacked one person's free speech, you've attacked free speech itself. If you've attacked one person's bodily autonomy, you've attacked everyone's right to bodily autonomy. And we need more people in society that are prepared to realize that. More people who will actually say Yeah, you know, I don't agree with so-and-so, but I don't like the idea of the state targeting them. And Pat King is a fantastic example of this. I've said on the show time and time again, and it bothers me that I have to do the obligatory disclaimer just because I know that the angry uh, boys and girls of the Canadian legacy media will just take something out of context here. I do not have a great deal of respect for what Pat King does. I, I find that even if he's been taken out of context by a couple of his critics, there are things that he has said in context that I just do not agree with. I mean, the white Anglo-Saxon replacement theory is one of them. In general, the tone and rhetoric he has. But I understand that he is a human being, he is a Canadian citizen, and he has rights. And he's entitled to justice, and he's entitled to due process, and he's effectively been denied that. It is now July 18th. He was arrested five months ago today and has been in a jail cell for the entirety of that five months. It's only just today that he is being released or has been released. I I don't know if it's happened yet. Released from custody. And for a time, he couldn't even get a lawyer. 
He went through the churn and finally found someone that was prepared to represent him and fight for bail conditions, which he has been granted release on. Still very onerous conditions. His conditions are very similar to what Tamara Leach had at the beginning, where he is not allowed to use social media. He has to leave Ottawa immediately. He is uh, banned from talking to certain people and, and that sort of stuff. But he is now at least out or on his way out. And it sh- you shouldn't have to say... I don't like Pat King, but you should just be able to say it doesn't matter whether I like Pat King or not. He's entitled to due process. Same as free speech. It doesn't matter if I like or respect or agree with someone's speech. I should support free speech. You should support free speech. I wasn't going to bring it up because I I find like these little uh, Twitter spats uh, wholly tiresome and I don't want to import them into real life. But just because it's relevant to the topic at hand, I wanted to share this little exchange that I had with... I mean, it wasn't really an exchange in the true sense of the word because what happened was I posted something. This guy like retweeted like 20 of my tweets with snarky stuff and I replied to one of them. And what he said to me was... Uh, and it doesn't even matter what he, he was like taking issue with an interview of Justin Trudeau's that I had commented on. Like it was a weird thing. But anyway, he said, let us move to take action against those moving society backwards. This includes true North media and all its dangerous journalists, scare quotes. I had to do the scare quotes voice journalists like Mr. Lawton here. I'm tired of people spreading hate under the misguided protection of freedom of speech. And I accurately summarized what he was saying there. And I said, translation, people I disagree with shouldn't have free speech. And there was a brazenness, and I at least appreciated his candor, a brazenness in what he was saying, that people I don't like should not be allowed to use what he called the misguided... Oh, sorry, I used the scare quotes again. The misguided defense of free speech. And what he means by that is that free speech should not be afforded to people he does not like. And it's just like what the government's doing with this online hate bill. If you go along what the government says, you're fine. If you go against what the government says, you could very easily be maligned and cast off as misinformation, disinformation, all of that. And in doing so, surrender your rights. And we need people that are prepared to take stands for freedom and take stands for due process, irrespective of the likability of the person who stands to benefit from that. Because freedom benefits all. Freedom benefits all. We've got to end things there. My sincere apologies that we weren't able to have that interview with James Topp. We'll try to get him back on as soon as we can. But in the meantime, let me know what you think. I put an idea to you at the beginning of the show of doing uh, an all Q&A edition about the Freedom Convoy on this show. Talk about the book, The Freedom Convoy, the inside story of three weeks that shook the world and other themes that came up in the course of covering the convoy. So if that is of interest to you, let us know in the comments and we will schedule that post-haste. But uh, seriously, 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 if you are using ArriveCan and traveling, I wish you the very best of luck. May God be with you because certainly the government isn't. That does it for me. We'll talk to you soon with more of Canada's most irreverent talk show here on True North. This is The Andrew Lawton Show. Thank you, God bless, and good day to you all. Thanks for listening to The Andrew Lawton Show. Support the program by donating to True North at www.tnc.news.